Hey, welcome back to the Luke Page Podcast. And today's episode um, is about a story of grief, struggle, and fighting for your dream with Justin Tries. So if there's something in your life that you're striving for right now, something that you say is your dream, but it's hard, you're really struggling, um, maybe it's become a lot harder than you thought it would, Maybe you're thinking of giving up. Maybe you've got thoughts that, hey, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. Maybe I'm not cut out to do this. Then I want you to stop for a second and just uh, listen to this episode. Enjoy. All right, here we go. You're listening to the Luke Page Podcast, the number one podcast specifically made for coaches. Get ready for out-of-the-box conversations from the world's leading coaches and experts. We're going to be talking all things business, health, happiness, and just being the most amazing human being that you can. Why? Well, I ask, why not? You see, we're only here once. We've got one life, so let's make this thing count. I believe that we can have it all. All the money, all the love, all the joy, all the success, all the excitement. I'm here for all of it. And if you are too, then come along with me. Let's do this. Thanks for coming on, bro. We did not uh, did not get started smoothly with this, but I wanted to have a chat to you because, you know, um, my audience coaches grow on their business and you know building a coaching business is a tough thing to do and my experience I've been in the coaching industry for over five years now and I would say seriously probably one percent of coaches actually get that business that they want and they dream of and you know the typical dreamy coachy business where you know you're getting making a lot of money you've got that freedom where you can travel around the world and live that type of lifestyle yeah you can work wherever you want you're happy and you make an impact on the world so my experience probably one percent of coaches get that so so many fail so it's proof that building a coach means is seriously hard and you know you've got to overcome constant challenges you've got to be basically living in such an uncertain state you know in order to grow you've got to be striving to an area you've never been before so everything's all over the place you've got to face fears consistently so pushing yourself out of your comfort zone you've got to do it consistently over a long period of time so it's not an easy journey and um, I thought you know having a chat to you, you know you've been through some you know really you know some tough times and you're still here today um so i thought you know just going through your story and a little bit about what you do i know that you you know you help people you know find out what are they here to do their dream their purpose in life and you help them go out there and get that so just like sharing your story and what you've been through i think it'll be a really good you know um kind of eye-opener for maybe a coach listening to this and Maybe they're struggling right now for whatever it may be. Maybe there's, you know, the thing with business is that you're not only growing a business, you're also growing a business whilst living the challenges of life. So whether it's a coach growing their business and just struggling with the challenges business bring, or whether it's a coach trying to grow their business and they've got life challenges, or maybe it's a bit of both, um, I thought you'd be someone great to speak to uh, about, you know, just to share your story. And um, maybe help some coaches if they're just kind of like, man, I just can't get through this thing. How do I get through it? So take us back. Um, take us back to like where kind of your story begins for you. 
For sure. And before I do, just quickly, I'll say that for me, one thing that I've always loved about the concept of coaching is that a lot of topics are so applicable to the coaches and or the coach as well as their clients. And then oftentimes in between similarly, right? And in my experience, I felt the same way that, oh, I'm learning this, I'm applying it. It may work for one of my clients, it may not as well. And I think that's a really kind of meta philosophical concept, but it's just so true that, like you said, the the idea of these concepts can kind of help for both of us. Mm. Um, I I ask the the same first question of all of my guests on my podcast too, kind of like, who are you and what do you do? Yep. And I used to see that as like a cliche question that bad reporters use because they don't know who the heck they're interviewing. <laughs> and so I shied away from it for a bit. And then I started doing it again because I loved how broad of a question it was and what a cool way it was to start because it was just bringing out more and more ideas that I hadn't really necessarily thought of in my research. And so you're asking me that I feel a little bit of empathy for my guests when it's like, whoa, tell me your life story. I'm 38 years old. uh, So that's not the shortest of stories. However, (laughs) uh, to, to go back a little bit with respect to what I know that you asked and we chatted about the idea of going through some tough times. Um, very specific to that, which is relatively recent, um, in September of 2021, uh, September 11th, I'll never forget it because I had actually just uploaded the first episode of my podcast, an episode with Buster Shear. I uploaded it. It was September 11th, made a tribute post of some photos that I'd taken of the World Trade Center. And then was texting with my brother to see what he was up to that Friday night, but he was getting together with some friends. And then very early the next morning, I got a call from my father saying that the police were at his house. He wasn't sure why yet, but they were about to come inside and if I could just come over because obviously something was up. Mm. And once I got there, they hadn't really shared much yet. But as soon as I walked in... I had an idea that something was maybe up because other people, family members and friends had asked if I had heard from my brother. And within a matter of minutes, the police had shared that there was a really bad car accident. They were waiting to identify uh, who the victim was, but that it was a single occupant of a car and he had passed away. And I knew right away that it was my brother Shane because he had borrowed my other brother's car. And Mm. so... I just whispered to my dad and everyone kind of broke down and everyone sort of was curious as to how I knew that. But very quickly, it was kind of uh, me who who knew who had died in that car accident. And so that's like the factual part of that. Mm. Um, my brother, Ryan, who had lent him the car, really struggled with the survivor's guilt and the things that a lot of us go through when we're dealing with a really difficult type of grief. And over the next year, um, struggled to the point where he was really not doing well mentally and just physically his health um, took a bit of a turn. And then last Christmas break, so December 28th of last year, almost exactly 12 months ago, uh, he too passed away randomly of a heart attack at home. Uh, and similarly, you get that dreaded call, you know, um, someone that I look up to their content is Gary V and he'll always say, you know, if I'm really having an actual bad day, if I get a call that my brother or sister has passed away or is sick 
And yeah. I'm like, well, now I've had that call twice. And so mm -hmm. I know in very um, specific terms what that's like. And this one was very different because of the heart attack. And they managed to get his heart going again, albeit after about 30 minutes was the estimate. Um, he was on life support when we got to the emergency room mm. and we were able to see him for whatever you can when someone's uh, in that bad of a state. And within about less than 24 hours, the doctor in the ICU said, you know, he's his his brain won't come back. There's no point in keeping him like this. Uh, so his life ended at that point as well. So that's the very factual things of what's happened to me in the last couple of years. Yeah, right. How old were your brothers? So we were uh, born 84, 86, 88. Oh, uh, so close. And, yeah. And so uh, 32, 34, 36, basically when all this kind of started. Yeah, right. So you're 36. So you're the oldest brother. Correct. And this was, so 20... 2021 was, and then a year before that, so 2020. No, so 2021, uh, Shane was 32. Yeah. Um, and then about a year and a little bit later, 2022, mm. uh, Ryan was 35 at that point. You're right. And at that point, I was 37. And then fast forward one more year. Now I'm 38. You know, one of the really weird things about that is people will ask me the question you just did. How yeah. old are your brothers? And my yeah. entire life, that was just mapped to doing simple math. I'm not the greatest mathematician, but it was always if I'm 35, Ryan's 33, Shane's 31. If yeah. I'm 20, they're 18 and 16. Like it's super easy. Well, now yep. when people ask me that, it screws me up because yeah, true. you start to lose time and it gets a bit trippy. And now it's a very weird yeah, thing because yeah, I'm like, yeah. wait, how much older am I than Shane? All of a sudden, I'm closing in on, you know, five years older than I'm like, it's a really weird thing. Yeah, that would be because that's the same thing that I do with my siblings. My sister's four years older than me. And then I've, because I'm the youngest, and then, um, okay, other sisters, uh, 20 years, and then I've got my brother at 16. So I do the same thing. Um, but then when they do pass, that stops. So then you're like, shit, well, how old were they? So, like, mm -hmm. what were you, when this was all going on, did you have your coaching business when this was all happening? Had you started? Like, what were you doing in your life? Yeah, so when it comes to a business online, uh, you know, side hustle, doing coaching privately, um, that's taken two forms. One was in the fitness industry. And yeah. in my early 20s, I built that up, pretty substantial, successful business. But then I took that sort of traditional path that some of us do to get some benefits, some pension, and, you know, more of like a nine to two <laughs> type thing. And I went into a traditional field of education. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, I slowly faded out and got to the point where I wasn't coaching at all. Uh, when essentially when COVID hit, I was just starting to get back into and in very broad term, not necessarily fitness, not necessarily nutrition, uh, not necessarily sleep, but in broad terms, like a uh, rich Litvin or Stefan Lovegrove, some people that I looked up to at the time, mm. that life coaching idea. And so I had a few clients like that and primarily uh, youth. And, but in my day job at that time, what happened was I was doing this one-to-one 
within that sort of traditional bureaucratic education system because the uh, job that I was super beneficial and grateful to have was actually in traditional education. But my job was, and still is in some ways, to go around to jails, uh, mental health institutions, a school for addictions, a school for young moms, and a crisis unit, homelessness, things of that nature, and basically do these same things, help them with exactly the same you would as a good coach, right, in terms yep. of brainstorming, coming up with different aspects of their life that they want to improve, and then helping them, and primarily in my situation, helping them start, you know, businesses, entrepreneurial ventures, social media that kind of stuff that a lot of other people in traditional education maybe don't have as much experience of. Mm -hmm. So I was very much doing that at that time to answer your question. Few clients, side hustle mode. What's really interesting is at the time, I also had a coach myself, as I'm a big proponent of a lot of us doing. You know, you kind of continue to, to level up, uh, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And David, David Meltzer, who's pretty popular online these days, was my coach at that time. And we were really working in that traditional business of building the email list and kind of, you know, to use an annoying word, creating the funnel and the social media marketing and then creating that very solopreneur classic business. Hmm. When Shane died, the first one uh, in the car accident, I really had to reflect and think of what I was doing between that and the next f year, um, I ended up once Ryan died, realizing that what I wanted to be the priority was the podcast itself, as yeah. opposed to the podcast as a lead generation tool. Right. And so at that point, I kind of pivoted and went to really focusing on the podcast and a whole other different business model, which is a side topic. But um, at that point, I stopped coaching too, because I'm a big believer in once you identify focus, creating more focus within your habits. And so I stopped coaching at that point. Hey, just want to quickly jump in here to tell you about this awesome new training that I put together. It's called the three steps to get to 10K a month as a coach. Now, if you're a coach and you're currently making under 10K each month and you want to know how you can get there for yourself, how you can be doing 10K months, month after month, and you probably want to check out this really awesome training. I've kept it short, only goes for 14 minutes. You don't even need to opt in, so save your email for another spammer. To watch it, head to lukepage.com.au forward slash 10K. I'm going to pop that link in the show notes. But anyway, let's get back to the episode. Mm. So what was it about your brother's passing that made you go, you know what, I want to do the podcast. I want that to be the focus. Yeah, so for me, it was being very much uh, confused to use a strong word, but questioning how much of an artist versus a traditional entrepreneur I was. And coupled with the existential crisis that we go through in difficult times like this, where you realize how short life can be right? Uh, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, you're so young, even if you're 60, you still have time to set goals, etc. Well, it's very much hit over the head with this existential like truth that maybe I don't. And so mm -hmm. I have two young kids, a wife and a job. How much time I have left in my 168 hours a week is limited. And so if I'm going to do anything in line with my true vision and purpose, 
then it needs to be the number one thing. It can't really be the second or third thing. And mm-hmm. so that was hard because we like money. We like comfort. We like success in a traditional metric. And I was staring at this project of building the podcast out kind of more like a, a Joe Rogan business model being like, that's not going to happen overnight. And I was mm-hmm. more seeing it as like a musician, right? Like this is going to be a bit of a grind, but for me again, in line with my value and purpose is creating more breadcrumbs that my daughters or students could find if I were to pass myself and mm-hmm. or just interviewing more great people and creating more content. And so if I can get another interview in, instead of working on an email newsletter, then that's what I'm going to do, at least for now. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel, just from you hearing you speak there, it's it sounds like to me, and I'm, maybe I'm picking up this wrong, but it sounds like you don't expect that you're going to live old. Because I do. Like If you ask me, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'll be 100. Like, do you... How do you feel about it? Do you think shit? I'm gonna f- something's gonna happen to me like it happened to your brothers. You're, like, yeah, you, do you feel that you got a long time? Like, what, what are you feeling? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting question for me because I'm a, I'm a big Mac Miller fan. Many different hip hop artists I'm a fan of, but <laughs> a lot of his work was around this idea too. Like, you know, I don't want to join the 27 Club. A lot of people in that world, Juice World, was similar feel like they're going to die young and they have Mm. people will share that throughout their lives. And so when I was in my teen years, I went to a lot of therapy and counseling. And that was something that I shared a lot of was like a a deep seated fear of death, Mm. uh, anticipatory grief, like Mm. always thinking that everybody around me was going to die young, Mm. but mostly feeling like I wasn't going to be able to become a professional football player, American football, (laughs) tackle football, uh, because I would, because I would die too young, very irrational thoughts. Uh, the interesting thing is I had two very somewhat major, I guess, life moments when I was young. Mm. And one was the passing of my uncle and he and I were very close and he died when his children were one, three and five. And, uh, I was 12 and so that moment, I don't know if they're linked or what, but that moment was a very, at least on a calendar, a, a moment of change where I became very anxious and uh, nervous and depressed and struggled throughout the remainder of my teen years. Mm. But when I was much younger than that, my entire life, my family has worked in the funeral industry. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I used to live in a funeral home when I was a little kid. And so a lot of people, when I was a kid growing up, would call me my girl because there's a famous movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you're familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah, So people would call me my girl and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I I could tell stories about that. You know, my friends coming over and we're literally in a funeral parlor. Uh, There were moments where, you know, young children would be laid to rest and before i went to bed i would ask my dad is it okay if i go say a prayer by the casket and i distinctly remember one time i was probably more like 11 and kneeling at a casket 
because I couldn't sleep until I went to kneel beside this little girl who was around the same age as me. And I remember saying something to the effect of like, I won't take life for granted. You know, I'll always appreciate and cherish every moment to be generous, et cetera, et cetera. And so on one hand, you would think gratitude, which is like a big buzzword these days in business circles and, and self-help stuff mm. is like helpful. But I think for a young kid, it was too much to deal with. And it actually led to panic and anxiety mm. uh, and fear of death to answer your, your question. What's interesting though, so just prior to either of my brothers passing, but because I knew of the piece of my uncle having died and my seeing his kids grow up to be, you know, uh, successful adults and me being so proud of them, but knowing that I now have young kids, I was doing things mm-hmm. like uh, creating poetry. Like one of my really early Instagram posts was a letter to my kids. Oh. And I very much subconsciously or consciously always did feel like that. Like I, you know, I just need to put this here in case I die tomorrow. So it was still almost too front of mind to bring it full circle to your actual question. My brother's passing actually changed that a little bit. Um, I don't really don't think about it like I used to. Um, and maybe it's because I'm the oldest and I've already now lived by far the longest. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. It's like a weird relative, uh, sort of sensation that like, I, I don't stress about that as much as I did a few years ago. Yeah. Right. So do you, do you believe in the law of attraction? I do. Yeah. I, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer that you know, the things that we believe in will attract, which is why it can be so scary to believe that you're going to die young, right? Hell yeah. Shit, man. That would have been like just thinking, I mean, I got, I got no idea how, what it would be like growing up. It's almost like you've just been surrounded by death. If you've been in a funeral home, does that normalize it a lot more? Because like, I, I think with me is, I didn't really experience much death until, you know, you had your grandparents when I was maybe 15. That was my first death and they're meant to die, yeah? My dad died last year, a year ago, and my one of my good mates died three years before that from the same thing, brain cancer. That was mm. probably when I started really getting death close to me, yeah, and like people that weren't meant to die. Um, so up until then, like I hadn't really been around death. And it was, you know, grieving and all that process hadn't been through it. Because you kind of grew up in a funeral home and I, I assume you're kind of seeing customers, yeah, come in, having funerals and you're kind of around it. So does that just kind of normalize the whole thing for you a little bit more? Like a, a lot more. I mean, not yeah. even a little bit. It's like, you know, they say the idea that fish uh, will ask another fish, what's the water like today? And then the fish will say, what's water? <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that, but yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, right. So, so very much so. Like it was, mm. it was normal, mm. uh, and and that's why it takes it took a lot of hindsight. And I don't have any definitive answers like any of us would when it comes to you know mental illness and mental health and, and the struggles we face with our own mindsets. But looking back with all the work that I've done in the mental health field as an adult, I look back and it's no fault of my parents or any adults that were involved at the time. They had no reason, you know, especially eighties and early nineties to think of, you know, trauma and, you know, stress uh, as that, right. Mm. You think of the, the big T traumas. Um, 
but looking back, it's like, yeah, that was probably a lot of too much to handle at a young age. Mm, 100%. So, you know, fast forward to today, you've had all that as a kid. You've had your brothers. You've definitely had other stuff for sure in your life happen. And then, you know, it's brought you through to today. How does it make you look at the world now being that you've been through all that, you've got all that experience, which so many people wouldn't. How does it make you look at life now? And I guess, what's the gift that you've been given out of all this? Yeah, the the cliche idea that, you know, we're kind of stronger for what we go through or people saying, you know, would you trade it for anything? And people say, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Mm-hmm. It is, is quite true uh, with both aspects, whether it's death and grief. I mean, I think a lot of people probably thought I was psycho or in shock going to the funerals for both of my brothers and dealing with things how I did. Mm -hmm. But that was because I was, you know, faced at a very young age with these pamphlets down from my bedroom that have the stages of grief on them. And Mm. again, seeing the normal aspects of it and being able to appreciate and anchor to the fact that my brothers weren't an 11 year old hit by a school bus, you know, which Mm -hmm. I had seen. Um, They were 32 and 34 and did some pretty awesome things in their life. And that sort of like perspective, I suppose. And then the other piece of what that all led to me struggling with the mental health aspects of a teen really gave me a ton of actual empathy, not just because I read a book or listened to a podcast or went to a TEDx talk, but actually understanding when I'm working with a kid and they're maybe like disassociating when we're having a conversation or they're struggling with acute panic and I'm trying to help them set goals. It's like, that's the last thing they need in that moment. So it created a lot of, I think, patience uh, and appreciation for helping other people on their journey too, without kind of overthinking or uh, stressing too much because I really, the the youth that I work with, they struggle a lot. Like in our city Mm -hmm. here, across our province here, it's the youth that struggle the most. So Mm. I also am aware of a student probably every year and a half that passes away either to gun violence or overdose or something like that. Mm. What and city are you living in? Ottawa, Canada. So the capital of Canada. Right, yeah. And those in- instances are never easy. But again, when I meet another person who's really struggling and they're really down, I know how much possibility there still is and how we still have like so much of a comeback we can make. And mm. it's, I, I don't, share that with them because every person's individual journey is their own. I think that's important, right? So if somebody really feels like they're struggling, then that's fine. That's their experience. So they are struggling. But I know that we have a lot of opportunity here because you're not dead, to put it bluntly, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. Um, so what what would you say to someone, would you, what would you say to a coach right now who's maybe finding it hard? They, their dream is to build their coaching business and 
they are just struggling to make it happen. Um, maybe they're thinking of giving up. They're just like, man, I'm just no matter what I'm doing, it's just not working for me. I've got pressures of life. I've got pressures of the business, everything like that. Yeah, it's my dream, but I'm just like, oh, this is becoming all too hard. And they start to maybe question if they're good enough, um, if they can do it. Maybe the coaching's not right for them. That's starting to get planted into their head. What would you say to them after you know everything that you've been through and you're still here and you're still showing up? What would you say to someone if you had a client and they've come to you with that situation? Yeah, maybe it's not right for you is the first thing. Who uh, I saw <laughs> I like the talk that, was <laughs> yeah. I say I the saw, same thing. Yeah, someone said that the other day. It was more uh, <laughs> I forget what it was, but it was what would you give life advice? I think it was an actor, and he said, "Don't go into acting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. just just don't do it." Uh, <laughs> I, I think that is the first question that anyone should ask. Is it actually your big dream? And I, I love the idea of a big dream. And I'll say quickly that a big dream can change and evolve and we can pivot throughout them for sure. It may be to be a touring musician and then it becomes to be a life coach. Uh, and then it becomes super niche and it becomes broad again. Like it, it can pivot. But I do think that it's really important, first off, for everyone to ask, is it actually the dream? Because so often we do things because we think we should be doing that. We saw a mentor or someone else who was doing it this way. So we thought we should. And it can be very hard to have that self-esteem and confidence to do the the check-in with yourself and ask, is this actually a dream that you own? Is it something you're doing because maybe your partner feels like you should, or you feel like your partner feels you should, um, mm. or because you've already invested so much time in it, right? Uh, and all these other questions. But I think really, first off, clarifying that you do own that dream yourself. Uh, mm. I actually was working on a blog post this morning about um, – Gary V's one of his infamous clips that he often says is that a lot of the things that are planted in our heads were put there by someone else, you know, around self-esteem, confidence, and if you can do something. And so I created, I think, about 15 other, 15 things that create those ideas in our head, right? And so the classic ones are parents, teachers, family that say you can't do something or whatever, but right. I put a whole bunch more as well. And the main reason being we need to check through those to make sure that this is what we want to do. And so once we do that, though, I think then if that truly is your dream, the purpose that it serves beyond monetary success and beyond becoming a billionaire or something and mm -hmm. driving flashy cars and all those types of symbolic things of wealth, then I can't nobody can promise that. But I am a big believer that if you stick with something for a reasonable amount of time and you're consistent and you're managing your time well, that you will succeed. Now, I think, again, the, the hardest thing with coaching, and I don't know how you find it, but I've learned that it's as u unique as our DNA. I find that with trauma. I find it with grief. I find it with mental health. And I certainly find it 
with coaching that it's it's going to be such a unique thing so it's almost like having a guest call in and then being able to talk to them specifically would would bring a lot more value obviously um but either way so, over so arching sorry, what, yeah what do you mean by that i didn't catch that last point so just if i were sitting with a client right now who mm. who had that same problem that you were just asking about yeah then we would find out maybe not in the first conversation, but relatively quickly if it is actually their big dream or not. Mm, But without having one person, because I find that the answer scales to one person, and that's what I meant by as unique as our DNA, Mm. that it it may or may not be your big dream, coaching or anything else. And Mm -hmm. without that one person in front of us, we can't really find out, right? There's not like that blanket statement. Um, but if it is, if it is in fact your your big dream, then I really do believe that through pivoting, investing in yourself, doing all the systems that that I'm sure we both teach similarly to help people achieve their goals, I think you will mm-hmm. succeed. It just depends on how you define success. That was the last point I was making. I can't promise mm-hmm. that you're going to be, you know, um, a rich Litvin who's making probably he probably has four clients and they're each paying him 75k or something. Uh, but you can succeed in the industry. Mm. What do you define as success? I'm going to take for- a drink for this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So back to that idea of the individualized goal, I feel it's so important to craft a lifestyle and overarching purpose-based goals that matter to you. And someone that whose work I like to borrow for this is Pat Flynn. He's been a great mentor over the years. And he is a little bit unique, I think, as a business coach in that he talks about the idea of saying, well, do you want to be able to pick up your kids every day at lunch? If if that's that, like go through your lifestyle factors that you want to have be part of your life and then reverse engineer from there. Are you going to get there in two years or eight years? We don't know, but you'll get there if you're mapping towards that vision. And so for me, very specifically and personally, it's having the freedom to be able to create without a traditional schedule per se. Essentially, I want to be able to set my schedule. That's a big part of it because Mm -hmm. I want to be able to have the freedom to travel with my kids or Mm -hmm. uh, pursue my own learning goals too. And so for me, that's a certain amount of money that allows for the bills to get paid like, you know, uh, 150K or 200K annually or whatever it is or Mm. through other means, passive income. But to me, it's just about hitting that benchmark. And then beyond that, I'm not the type who drives a nice car or those kinds of things necessarily. I'm definitely Mm. the type that wants the certain lifestyle as that foundation. Yeah, cool. I got it. So it's almost like with you, it's you don't need a crazy amount of money, just enough to pay the bills and have a little bit of freedom. The main thing is that you can then have freedom with your schedule to, hey, I want to create now or, hey, I want to be with my kids and you're not locked into, hey, I'm chasing the money and I've got to be working uh, six <clears throat> to six type thing or, hey, six to 10 even, 6 a.m. Yeah. to 10 p.m. Nice, man. Well, for sure. Yeah. 
Hey, I hope you're enjoying today's episode so far. Make sure you click subscribe to stay up to date because we release a new podcast every single week. And if you're getting value out of this, then share it. Share it with the world. Share it with someone that you know that would also benefit from it. And hey, tag us over on Instagram at Luke underscore page and we'll give you a shout out for the support. Thank you so much. Let's get back into this. Just want another thing quickly. Mm. For me, I... At a point, it was interesting because I had mentioned having coaches and I had a coach that when I talked through that concept really felt like that I maybe had money blockers, right? And I think that's a common thing for people who are trying to attract wealth. And I know you talked about the idea of the law of attraction and they're struggling. Mm -hmm. So you look into, oh, well, maybe you... Um, have these money blockers. And then so I read, you know, books like uh, I'm a badass at making money from Jensen Chero and stuff like that. Right. And kind of, and then you got thick and grow rich in the background there as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Things like this. Right. (laughs) And then it's interesting because I got to a point where, um, I actually had an opportunity to speak with Mark Manson last year. He's the author of subtle art of not giving a fuck. And he, it's just so interesting, right? Like I think everybody has different opinions and that's fine. But similarly, the idea of being able to invest in scaling ideas is huge. And for me, that's that's my that's one of my big goals. If I can mm-hmm. create the book that goes along with the podcast and the book is just keep learning. And it's basically like a textbook that guidance counselors can give to youth that's not boring, that summarizes that sort of self-help genre uh, in a fun, entertaining way, then I would want to sell 200 million copies of that if i can someday Mm. that i'm all for like scaling ideas and investing because that's how we're going to spread our ideas i think is really important to me i'd i'd be you know lying if i said it wasn't but back to the needing money to um be able to buy a nice watch that's just not in alignment with my own values Mm. love it man that's that's uh you know i I, when I was younger, I thought life revolved around money and I went on this big journey of chasing money. And then I found that as I made more and more money and I got to the point where, you know, I was working a job and like the job was okay. Yeah. It wasn't like a job that I hated or anything like that, but I was making good money and I could basically buy most things. Yeah. I could kind of travel, I could buy nice watches and nice cars and all that. But then when I got it, I was just like, I thought money was the the answer and like I realized that it wasn't and then that's what actually got me on okay well that's not the answer of the fulfillment I was looking for what what is and that's what kind of led me into coaching because I realized that um you know I had kind of blocked off my heart in my life and I wasn't doing the things that I wanted to do so I totally get and relate to what you're saying there about money if you would have asked me when I was 20 how much money do you want to be making in it would have been, you know, hundreds of millions type thing. But, uh, I mean, look, these days it's just, yeah, enough money just to get by and, you know, have some freedom there. But I think, you know, we've got a kid now, so it just makes you realize what's the important things and mm-hmm. to be able to be around them. So I get it. But saying, Justin, man, if I gave you a nice watch here and go, here, do you want this nice watch? You wouldn't put it around your wrist. <laughs> well, funny enough about that, I, 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 not only do I not care about the money piece, I don't, I mean, I'm not really a jewelry person to begin you with. Wearing, so you're okay. Um, maybe if I do get into hip hop and rap, then I'm going to have to, uh, have to do something, but you have to, um, you're going to have the gold chains and necklaces yeah. and all that. <laughs> Depen- depends <laughs> you know? on where you go though. You got to be careful these days, but, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. And and another huge part for me beyond the kids and the fact that it's just not aligned with my values is one of my huge values and where I get into this existential piece too of how much time do I have left is like, I am a big believer in the work of Carol Dweck and growth mindset and Brene Brown and vulnerability. And I want to be able to do more of that to model Mm. it for youth, because that's one thing that's very hard for public speakers and professors that are as big as they are in terms of personal brand, but it's very hard for them to still go like showcase that. Right. And so I love doing that. And if I had the freedom to create, like that would be one of my own personal goals, the freedom Mm. to create a better YouTube channel where I showcase learning. Right. Um, That's on the back burner for now, but that could come down the line. Um, And I do do it a little bit at a time as like a habit. And right now, speaking of hip hop, I'm learning beat making and how to play the piano. I never played an instrument as a kid. And it's a ton of fun Mm. because that part fuels um, my kind of like that, that unicorn space or that creative energy space, you know? And so even if it's five minutes a day, that that's enough, but I would love for it to be five hours a day. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. That's so cool. I grew up um, kind of playing music. So it's just like the creativity of music. It's just like you get lost. So that's cool, man, that you're getting into all that stuff. Um, Thanks for sharing your story and a little bit about you and everything like that. Yeah. Anyone listening to this, they want to check you out. uh, Where can they find you, man? So personal brand is at just tries anywhere. And I created that handle because I wanted to be at the forefront of the social media in terms of that idea that, you know, all we can do in life is try. And then on the more company business side on any of the social media platforms, the podcast and the content is just keep learning. Awesome. Justin, thanks bro for coming on. Really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was awesome. Hey there, I hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, I would really appreciate if you could leave us a review on the platform that you're listening to this on right now. You see, your help and support allows us to spread this podcast across the world. And we can't do it without you. Apart from that, make sure you're following us over on Instagram at Luke underscore page.